This is Africa News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on Africa News Tonight. A little bit like contraception. You get your contraception on board to stop you getting pregnant. Same here, you have your antiretroviral on board to stop you getting HIV. That's Professor Linda Gale Becker, director of the Desmond Tutu HIV Center on a new injectable drug described as the greatest pharmaceutical weapon so far against the spread of HIV. Details coming up. Also, African governments are watching anti-government protests in China closely, mainly with economic concerns. Authorities in Kenya say nearly a million children are acutely malnourished due to ongoing drought. And Morocco hopes to keep its World Cup hopes alive against Canada. All these and more on African News Tonight. We start with our top story. Today's World AIDS Day and the country with the largest HIV epidemic is racing to roll out a revolutionary new drug called CAB-LA. South Africa is trying to be a second in the world after the United States to provide the jab described by medical scientists as the greatest pharmaceutical weapon so far against the spread of HIV. Taken every two months, CAB-LA is life-saving because it nearly eliminates the possibility of contracting HIV through sex. Darren Taylor reports. There are almost 8 million people living with HIV in South Africa. It runs the biggest treatment program in the world, providing life-enhancing antiretroviral, ARV, pills to almost 5.5 million infected people every month. But the government says more than 200,000 people still get newly infected annually. That's why scientists say it's so important for South Africa, and indeed the continent, to have CAB-LA, which stands for long-acting Cabotgravir. Director of the Desmond Tutu HIV Center, Professor Linda Gale Becker, says it works like an injectable contraceptive. A bolus of the antiviral is injected into the muscle. And here we're talking about the top part of the buttock muscle. And it sits there for two months, during which time it slowly diffuses into the bloodstream and then it works its magic. So it works like any other antiretroviral. It stops HIV replicating. Now, by giving it as pre-exposure, prophylaxis. You've got your prevention on board. Again, a little bit like contraception. You get your contraception on board to stop you getting pregnant. Same here, you have your antiretroviral on board to stop you getting HIV. Becker's leading a trial in which more than 3,000 women across sub-Saharan Africa are getting CAB-LA. In Cape Town, 23-year-old Amanda Roberts is one of them. AIDS took her mother's life in 2016. My mom's twin also has HIV. So I was like, you know, I have to join the study because I didn't want to go the same road they had to go. Before Roberts began taking Cab LA, she used a daily HIV prevention pill consisting of two ARVs. But like millions of others, she found it very inconvenient to swallow it at the same time each and every day. Some days I'm not at home, I'm having fun, so I don't have my tablets with me. One, that's when the problem started because I used to skip 
maybe a day without taking them. That's dangerous, as missing doses of ARVs means they're less effective. Studies in the U.S. have found the CAB-LA jab works 90% better for young women than the daily pill, probably because the once-every-two-months injection is much easier to take. Research shows CAB-LA can reduce HIV infections and AIDS deaths by three times more than daily ARVs. In South Africa, it could prevent more than 50,000 new infections annually. But there's a catch. Price. In the U.S., where cab has been available for a year, one jab costs $3,700. Drug manufacturer Viv Healthcare has pledged to offer it to Africa at what it calls a not-for-profit price. The firm's head of research and development, Dr. Kimberly Smith, says price will depend on how many orders donors and governments can commit to. The goal is to get the price as low as possible. And so some of that depends on volume guarantees and a number of aspects. But I think it's important to remember that Cab for PrEP is a sterile injectable product. It is a very, very complex manufacturing process. The places where it's been compared to the manufactured cost of a simple white pill are just not realistic. International health journal The Lancet recently reported the price Viv's considering for the injection in Africa is around $260 per patient per year, far above what the continent can afford. Smith says it's much too early to speculate about price, and her company will do its best to get Cab LA to Africa. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Many youth activists in South Africa express disappointment and worry at the level of HIV infection and its impact beyond the medical issues. Some youth complain that the stigma in society and at health facilities continues to hinder their efforts to deal with the pandemic, to Sokumalo reports from Johannesburg. 29-year-old Tulina Mokangwe lives with HIV. She contracted the virus when she was raped in 2014. After suffering from stigma, anxiety and isolated by her peers, she decided to stand up and fight for the youth access to testing and treatment. She says it is disturbing that clinics and hospitals are leading in entrenching stigma and stereotypes. When you get in, you're like, are you HIV positive? They're asking you questions like, oh, young, why are you sleeping around and making noise about it? Tabi Sompachlele, Zanele Zazisto, and Amanda Chauge are young activists who are worried. They have teamed up going around the township of Tsakane in Egrulen town in the Houghton province, urging their peers to stand up, get tested, and treated. But Zazito says their encounters have been very disappointing. People, they don't want to hear anything, want to tell them about HIV. As soon as they hear this word of HIV, they think it's a, it's a dead penalty for you. Another youth, Nkosikwana Machomo, says misinformation is a large contributor to that resistance. Where like people still think that there are some people who get HIV by just touching, that shows like this information of HIV hasn't really reached everyone. 
the virus actually is transmitted through bodily fluids such as blood. But Mokangwe says the biggest problem is that too many older people who do not understand issues of young people are leading the fight against HIV in the decision-making bodies of government. They should let, leave young people lead because it's our situations, it's what we face every day. The Action Treatment Campaign, TAC, is the organization that pushed to make the fight against HIV a number one priority for the South African government. The organization's chairperson, Sibongile Chabalala, says changing the attitude of health personnel is key in winning the hearts of the youth. What is important is to have youth-friendly clinics where young people will be accommodated, where young nurses and doctors will be there to cater for them because they'll be speaking one language, and also people living with HIVP in every facility so that they can advocate and educate and also be a peer educator to people, young people living with HIV. The government says it is aware of the challenges and it is fixing them. In June... It launched the National Youth HIV Prevention Strategy for South Africa. The program aims to reduce HIV infections and sexually transmitted diseases by 40% in the next three years. Tuzokumalo for VOA News, Johannesburg. With China dealing with the biggest anti-government protests since 1989, analysts say African governments are watching closely, mainly with economic concerns. Kate Bartlett reports from Johannesburg, South Africa. For the past few days, the eyes of the world have been on the outbreak of mass protests in cities across China, with demonstrators furious at continued strict COVID-19 lockdowns as part of President Xi Jinping's unpopular zero-COVID policy. The protests have also taken on a political angle, leading to comparisons to Tiananmen Square, with protesters being heard shouting, Step down, Xi Jinping! Step down, Communist Party! The US and German governments have said they support the right of peaceful protest in China, but from Africa there has been silence. Still, African governments, while they are unlikely to either denounce or support the protests, will be paying close attention because China is the continent's largest trade partner. Corbis van Staden, co-founder of the China Global South Project, which examines China's engagement with Africa, said. In relation to the African responses to it, I think they'll probably be muted and they'll mostly be concentrating on how the impact is of, of the disruptions kind of on commodity trade, for example. Paul Nantulia, a researcher at the U.S. Defense Department's Africa Center for Strategic Studies, said there are high stakes on the African side in terms of the zero-COVID policy and its effect on supply chains. There is a concern, obviously, on the African side that some of this trade might be uh, disrupted if these lockdowns continue. As for Democratic South Africa saying anything in support of the protesters, Stephen Gratz from the South African Institute of International Affairs in Johannesburg said Pretoria was more likely to take a neutral stance similar to its position on the conflict in Ukraine. South Africa is not going to publicly call out China. South Africa is going to keep quiet, I I think, and uh, not interfere. I certainly don't think they're going to give support to the protesters. Uh, This is, after all, their BRICS ally and their largest trading partner.
contacted for comment on the protests by VOA, two spokesmen for South Africa's Department of International Relations and Cooperation said there was no reaction from the department. In neighboring Zimbabwe, a longtime ally of Beijing, the spokesman for the ruling ZANU-PF party, Chris Muchfangwa, said, As a matter of policy, ZANU-PF does not interfere in the internal affairs of other United Nations member countries. Only in Eswatini, formerly known as Swaziland, the sole major African state that supports Taiwan and does not have relations with Beijing, Percy Simulane, the spokesman for the King's office, said of the Chinese protests, we believe in freedom of expression for all nations and societies. Aside from the lack of government reaction, media coverage of the protests on the continent has also been muted. Outlets across the region are mostly picking up news articles from the international wires, with very few local op-eds on the nature of the dissent. However, Kenyan and South African newspapers this week both ran original copy on how their local currencies and economies stood to be affected by the unrest. They focused on fuel prices and exports. There has been silence from the Chinese state media too, but that might change if the protests continue, Nantulia said. One can expect uh, that uh, over the next uh, few weeks, China is really going to up the ante. Uh, it does have a sizable media infrastructure and architecture on the continent of Africa. And uh, we can be sure that uh, it will make maximum use of that capability to regain the narrative, to control the narrative, and essentially to discredit uh, the protests and whatever African sympathies might be out there. For now, Chinese police are out in force and officials have warned of a crackdown. But there are also indications the government may be looking at softening COVID restrictions. Kate Bartlett for VOA News, Johannesburg. You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Yehiya Suhib in Washington. Drought in the Horn of Africa is causing hunger to worsen across the region, including in Kenya, where authorities say nearly a million children are acutely malnourished. The failure of a fifth rainy season in a row has authorities and aid groups scrambling to prevent famine. Ahmed Hussein reports from Wajir County, northern Kenya. At a busy maternal and child health center in the heart of Wajia in northeast Kenya, hundreds of mothers like Catherine Martin have brought their malnourished children for treatment. Martin says they suffered from the drought which left them with barely enough food for their children. Martin says, I brought my child for treatment to this clinic. We don't have enough food. As mothers, we suffer from the drought. The economy is down as well. So we appeal to government for help. Kenya's National Drought Management Authority in November said more than 942,000 children below the age of five were malnourished, along with 134,000 pregnant and lactating mothers. About one quarter of the suffering is in three northeastern counties. Wajia authorities say 16% of the county's children under five are malnourished. Habiba Ali Malim is Wajia County Executive Committee member for health. They are now pushing screening campaigns and training more healthcare workers to detect early cases of malnutrition. We currently trained uh, 134 healthcare workers. They'll be able to uh, to identify uh, those children who are who are uh, malnourished. We have uh, stabilization centers in six sub-counties. We are admitting those uh, children who are severe malnourished. 
Kenyan authorities say the record drought has forced nearly four and a half million people to seek food aid. To lessen the impact from drought, government and aid groups have been drilling more boreholes and bringing emergency food. Mahmoud Osman is the emergency response coordinator at Save the Children organization. He says the needs are great. For every scallop we do, we get more malnourished children. In Wajia, we have 191 outreach sites offering uh, nutritional and uh, integrated medical services. We are also protecting livelihoods by providing animal feeds to emaciated livestock. We are also providing cash transfer programs to about 8,000 uh, households across the county. We are doing a lot, but I know this is just a drop of the ocean in the ocean, and it's not enough. Meanwhile, at the health center in Wajia, more mothers arrive in search of treatment for their malnourished children. Ahmed Hussain for VO News, Wajia, Kenya. Ghana's black stars will face rivals Uruguay in their final Group H match tomorrow. The highly anticipated game will be a rematch of their 2010 World Cup quarterfinals match in Soweto, South Africa, which brings back some really bad memories. We have VOA's Jackson Mfungani currently in Accra. He's on live to provide us a reminder of what happened. Hello, Yeheyes. Hello, yes, Jackson. Uh, indeed, the Ghana's Black Stars are looking forward to tomorrow's game. You know they've been waiting for 12 years for, for, for this rematch of their 2010, uh, 2010 World Cup quarterfinals in Soweto, South Africa, as you said. Uh, just to remind people, in the final minute of that game, Uruguayan star Luis Suarez used his hand to deflect a header from Ghana's Dominic Adia. That goal would have definitely crossed the goal line, which, which would have been a, a game changer. Uh, Luis Suarez was given a red card, but uh, a Samoa John uh, of the Black Stars went on to miss the penalty. And the rest, as they say, is history. However, Ghanaians have never forgotten nor forgiven him uh, for denying them the opportunity to make it to the semifinals of that World Cup. And they are determined and committed to carrying on this rivalry to the very end. Now, here in Accra, Ato Alzanapaya is uh, a big fan of the Black Stars, and I spoke to him, and this is what he says. So, Ato Alzanapaya here, a very proud and patriotic Ghanaian, very big fan of the Black Stars. I always tell fellow Ghanaians that the Black Stars, they don't just play for themselves. They don't play for the government. They don't play for the GFA. They play for all of us. So sometimes I find it very difficult how we um, sometimes criticize them unnecessarily and do not support them, right? Um, even if the team is, we know the team's quality is not that great, we still have to believe in them and support them. So, um, I mean, we're excited that we are at the World Cup. Personally, I just knew that when we're, I know our team is not that great, but I knew that when we're drawn against Nigeria because of rivalries, Form goes out of the window, and I knew we were going to beat them. Yeah, so that, those are qualifying matches. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, yeah. so we're excited to be at the World Cup. I think we've had some good performances, and I mean, everyone has been looking forward to this Uruguay game. Uh, it's going to be very emotional. I know we're thinking about revenge, but we have to keep cool heads. And I think that just comes down to it whether it's the Black Stars players or whether it's Ghanaians or supporters in general. 
right we don't have to let our emotions get the best of us all the time we have to keep cool heads we have to go out and do what we need to do to get the results that we need so we're looking forward to the euro AI game i am confident that we would be able to get we'll be able to get a win or get a great result to be able to get to the next stage and the last time uh i i think we are being quietly confident about the team uh, i think we need to see better performances but we are hoping that ghana can carry the flag of africa and we also hope that senegal morocco uh cameroon uh, tunisia can all do well for the continent yeah so even though you're supporting the black stars you want every every african team <laughs> yes you're, you're for every african team <laughs> yes yes because so, I, I think you see um, in 2009 ghana won the under 20 world cup which i think was a big deal um and we were able to beat brazil in the final to be able to win that tournament so we also need to get to the point where we believe in ourselves to be able to big beat big teams and you know cause upsets as well so um you know i think we have to support the team believe in the team uh you know be prayerful you know wish the best for the team um and you know give them good encouragement what is your prediction in terms of uh, the scores on friday <laughs> wow um i normally like to predict 3-1 <laughs> so 3-1 ghana uh, winning over Uruguay. All right, yeah. I like that. <laughs> we'll see. Suarez is uh... nothing like a nice vendetta laced soccer match. The whole world will be watching. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you very much, Yehayas. That sentiment is widely echoed by many Ghanaians around Accra, including a fan named Francis. Definitely. Uh, not because I'm a Ghanaian. We have to win. I'm a Ghanaian. I'm a proud Ghanaian. And definitely we are going to win. We have, if we draw, we have the chance of qualifying. So we, we are hoping to win. And my prediction is just a long goal. There will be a one goal difference. If we scored one, they are they will not able to, to equalize. Yeah. If they equalize, we have you, have you watched Uruguay play so far? How do you, what do you think about their game? You know, Africa, we have similar style of play like the South Americans, rather, sorry. But they have a little bit of this European style. But we thank God that most of our, our players are playing in Europe. And they match them good for good. You know, uh, because of what happened in South, in South Africa, when Suarez uh, did that hand of God, they, and we had a penalty we missed, it has been something that is, we are bearing grudge. We want to, to, to retaliate. Do you have beef? Yes. You want revenge? <laughs> you want revenge, yeah. Ghanaians in Accra predicting a win for their home team, the Black Stars, in Friday's match against Uruguay. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Baro, and our engineer, Adrius Regas, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.
This is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music, from bobo music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, Afrobeat to Ndombolo and Makosa to Kwaito. The African beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 